Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on this fabulously sunny day, we decided we go all the way to Atlanta, Georgia to speak to Jody Daniels. Now, she knows we're here uh, because we've got a little drone uh, positioned outside her office window. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But that does raise an interesting thing, interesting point. If, if we were controlling a drone outside of Jody's office window and taking pictures of her, her she might have some ideas about whether we own the rights to those pictures or she does, or, or who owns the rights. Or even if we're allowed to do it, right? Or even, yeah. Or even if we're allowed to fly the drone there at all. So, very cool. Interesting conversation with Jody. It just got kicked off. It just started igniting as we ended it. Uh, so I think you're gonna you're gonna get all revved up from this this uh, conversation. Yeah. So stick around to the end, and we'll talk about with Jody. We'll talk about some strange things that you may or may not have thought about. Aliens? Did we talk about aliens in this one? Oh no, I don't think so. No, no. But they're close. Close. Here's Jody Daniels. Hello, Jody. Really nice to talk with you. And I see there's some sunshine out your window there. We don't often get a chance to see that on video calls. Well, it's great to great to talk with you today. And it is a really nice day. If this was earlier in the week, it would have been loud monsoon-like rain. So we're good. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, we, we've had sort of uh, up here, we've also had some monsoon-like rain. And down in Texas, where Randy is, they always have monsoon-like rain. So... Yeah, that's that's every second Tuesday for us. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's life and business been like uh, over kind of the monsoon of coronavirus? Well, in the beginning, I think like many businesses, you know, it took a little bit of a pause. But in the privacy space and security space, it's heating up. And actually, the risk from a security perspective increased tremendously. Because now everyone was working remotely, and that meant from teeny tiny business to huge multinational, people were on computers that weren't properly protected. They weren't always using all their procedures properly, so that really exposed things. And from a privacy point of view, the laws are still here, and more are continuously getting passed. People then also are shifting more to digital and that meant more data online. So from a business point of view, it's great. My company's growing, we're, we're hiring, and uh, companies are, are starting to pay attention more and more to the privacy and security side. It seems like everyone just kind of threw their hands up in that sort of emoji shrug when, you know, coronavirus uh, hit us. Everyone was like, ah, whatever, we'll just do everything on Zoom and on sort of somewhat secure places. And it just, it was like security kind of flew out the window. And then a, a, a month or two later, everyone kind of took a sharp in-breath and realized kind of what they'd done. Is that is that fair or what did it look like from your perspective? You know, I think that's a little part of it. If you also think about some companies, not everyone had a, a personal computer or even a laptop. So many companies didn't necessarily have the physical devices and it might have been, you know what, you just go access this on your personal computer. 
well, everyone's personal computer is now not connected to the network. If you think about being connected to a network and physically in an office, if you were to send out any type of updates or pushes or VPNs, that also wasn't taking place in a home. A home is connecting to a home router or a home Wi-Fi. And some companies weren't able to get all of the security measures in place really quickly. Kind of add all of that together. And that would be some of the reasons how companies had to figure out what to do. And they just didn't all, they weren't prepared. Maybe we had 10 people on VPN. Now you want me to get 100 in a day? You know, even the, the VPN companies were trying to struggle to figure out how to do that. And again, kind of that personal device situation or multiple people working on devices. You might have even had families where the only device was the home or was the work device. And you had kids who had to do schooling. And it was, well, all right, here you go. Here's a device. You go do your schooling. And, uh, you know, then the, the parent would have to figure out what to do from a work perspective. So just a variety of different ways, kind of the vulnerabilities of the patching, people not familiar how to have proper settings. Again, those home, home routers is part of where the vulnerabilities are. So I, I'm a little bit interesting, interested from your client's point of view. They're, at, they're, they're trying to find customers. They're trying to generate revenue. They're trying to find ways to cut costs and and just improve their business, find efficiencies. And now they have to worry about privacy and security and all this stuff that costs money. How do you present yourself to potential clients to show that there is a return on investment in investing in this stuff? Today, you have a series of laws that say you need to do X, Y, and Z. And most of the time, companies decide, I want to be good business stewards. I'll choose to comply with that law. A lot of companies are seeing it as just a cost of business. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, many companies, especially those in the B2B space, so take a technology company, a SaaS company, a service provider of any kind, and now they cannot get the sale if they cannot show that they've complied with XYZ law or are protecting someone's data. So I see time and time again, a contract come through or a company call and say, we're about to work with this big company. I really need to get my privacy and security items short up. They're very motivated at that point. If you're starting and you're a startup and you're trying to compete against another company, another company might be advertising and marketing and emphasizing their privacy and security measures. If you want to compete with them, you now too are going to have to manage that part. And the other piece is just the growing expectations of customers. More than 50% of customers, and, and in some cases, even 70 or 80% of customers won't do business with a company if they don't trust them, if they don't feel like I'm comfortable with what you're going to do with my data. And the do with your data is a couple points. It's how will you protect it from bad actors? It's also how will you use my data? Will you use it in a way that I expected? Or are you going to do something different that makes me scratch my head and say, hmm, why are you doing that? How did you get there? So the element of trust is an essential piece. And much like any other feature that a company is going to say, buy me because this is why you want to buy this fabulous product or service, privacy and security is now one of those features. And customer expectations, whether you're B2B or B2C. And so for those reasons, more and more companies are starting to realize, I have to treat this just like every other law that's out there and every other operational expense. 
as a as a startup, is it much easier and less expensive to build security and privacy into it into your product before you start, or is it you know can you retrofit? I always think it's a lot easier and less expensive to do anything, whether it's privacy or any other part at the beginning, because you're designing it. You get to think about it first and create the process and the procedures and make sure you have the right people and technology around what it is you're trying to accomplish. Can you retrofit? Sure. But now you're spending time to unwind something that you could have spent the time at the beginning. It's very similar to all of us should know that we should eat healthy, exercise, get enough sleep, because if we don't, we have a higher risk of a problem. Once you have the problem, a doctor might be able to help and fix. Maybe there's a surgery to help correct it or a magic little medicine. Once you're all better, then you might evaluate and say, hmm, how do I unwind years of a particular habit? You can do it. It's just a lot harder. So I'm very curious, kind of on the flip side of business. I mean, you've got this great podcast with your husband, the the, the he said, she said, plus a couple other cool words behind them. You can explain (laughs) that. And then you've also got kind of a bunch of resources from your company. So books, ebooks, white papers, things like that. Curious kind of where where personal brand ends and company begins or what, what your thoughts are on, on how to bring yourself, your husband, your, you know, your personal life into business and vice versa. How does that balance for you? It's a great question. And it's uh, it's the She Said Privacy, He Said Security podcast because many people got COVID puppies. We got a COVID podcast. And it's a really interesting question. When I talk to companies... Like many professional services, it it was just me. So they're they're buying me, yet I had a company name. And as it continued to grow and I would bring more people on, I'm still the face of the company, the, the main sales and business development and marketing effort. And yet I still have this company brand. And I think, you know, people are buying from people, unless you're literally a product that I'm buying off of a website and I'm just looking at a picture. At that point, I'm buying from the company. Otherwise, every service out in the universe, you're buying from the person and then the company kind of behind it. So I think that they're intertwined. I think it's important for me to show I'm a human, I'm a person, how I can relate, what uh, the beliefs that I have that might connect and relate to the business. And yet at the same time, I want most of the material about the topic to come out under the company brand so that I can continue to build both the company brand and also, you know, me as a as a human and as a professional come out. Love that line about the puppy in the podcast. That's, that's uh, <laughs> seems like you've used it before. I I, I love I, it. I think I have. Well, so many people have got COVID puppies, COVID puppies, and my kids yeah. tried to convince me to have one, <laughs> and I said we have one, a big one. He's six and a half years old and ninety five to hundred pounds. We're good. So instead, um, my husband and I, honestly, what had happened is we were doing so many different webinars together at the beginning of the pandemic to help educate companies on what to do in remote work. And people kept saying, well, when's the next Jody and Justin show? And we had done things in person before the pandemic, and we decided to put it together in a podcast. That's neat. And so I'm curious, 
about the piece, of course, this is what I would be curious about, but I'm curious about the piece of you that isn't being fulfilled by the company, the company line. So what's, what's the other part of Jody? What's your, your uh, big picture for kind of the rest of your life and your kids? What's, what does that look like? What's your hope? And my, and my, my dog is echoing my question here. He is. I, I love it. Uh, you know, uh, my first job is a mom. And I started this company so that I could have the flexibility to be able to be the best mom that I can while also being the best professional that I can. I, I believe that I have a very loud barking dog. I believe that I can have, I can have both. Wait, and that was your dog? That was my dog. Oh, that's amazing. So <laughs> this, could be a, this could be a three dog episode. The other day we had a three barefoot episode. Now today might be a three dog episode <laughs> if randy can get his dogs to bark yeah oh, I, I'm yes, sure my dog bark. likes to join the podcast a lot of times <laughs> and we do ours with video it's great but i really want to show i want to show my girls that i can be a, a working mom and a working professional and that i have a lot to offer the world i f- strongly believe about how companies should and shouldn't use data that they should really be thinking about the customer first and, you know, I want to continue to to build the business, to continue to be uh, a great mom, to teach and help mentor others. I've had so many people in my life who have helped me throughout my entire career in multiple different ways. I want to be able to, to do that here. I really enjoy teaching, whether it's an actual teaching role or just the ability to keep having conversations like this where I can teach a little nugget to someone over time is really important to me. And I guess to be also a really good dog mom and save as many animals as I can. Oh, My perfect us, world would, would tell be us more uh, about, pet rescue. Tell us more about your dog. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a saver. We've saved a bunch of animals. and This doggy is a great Pyrenees, and he mm-hmm. was given up at one about one years old. I have no idea why. We do not think the first owner was a nice person at all. And we rescued him. He is our third child. That's how we treat him. And he's now 100 pounds and a big, soft, fluff ball. Just super sweet. And we look at him and say, we don't understand how anyone could give up this dog. He's incredibly loyal, sits by my feet all day long. So most people who I work with know about my dog. <laughs> he's just a part of, part of my life. I think that's actually a part of that personal and business connection. It's where you put people together. Hundred percent, and I, Sparky is literally really furious with me right now. He's so the the window of my office uh, <laughs> overlooks the porch, and he's on the porch. Wait for it, because he got sprayed by a skunk yesterday, and oh. it's been nightmare. So I, I, in between calls today, I was out there scrubbing him down with um, like palm olive <laughs> and hot oh, water. Poor dog. <laughs> poor guy. So, <laughs> It's a nice day, but he's like, "Hey, I'm 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 out here, you know. What? Come get of course. me." <laughs> yeah, my just he just nudges right where where I am. It's uh, it's great. And my daughter would like to rescue as many animals as possible. We're trying to help educate her that if you educate more people to save dogs' lives, then you can have a bigger platform. So, trying to teach her how to be able to do that, rescue as many as we can. So, Great Pyrenees. Um, I had my brother-in-law had two of them. And very territorial. They they, yes. they used to walk around the property. They knew what enough to. They created a path like 
you know, 18 inches wide where they walked. And they did this all day, just going around securing the property. It's kind of similar to what you do. You go around and you secure people's data and people's privacy. Oh, so, that's a good analogy. I hadn't thought about it like that. So I'm giving that to you so you can use that in when you're talking to people because it I, just struck me as very obvious that you you have this beautiful big 100-pound dog that does exactly what you do, but they're doing it for you. I appreciate that. You know, often I use the house as a good example or analogy for privacy and security. I can have my alarm on and all my windows open. Mm-hmm. You can peer in, there's no privacy, but you can't break you can't break in. Right. If I have all the windows blinds closed and you can't peer in, but I have no alarm and the doors are unlocked, you can just easily come and steal the information. Right. So there's right. a little bit of the nuance with the the privacy and and security. Privacy so much around the use and collection. I give you my data what are you going to do with it? Do you share it, sell it? I'm sure everyone listening here has received a catalog at home that they've never heard of before because someone bought your information. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we've all probably received a data breach letter. My one-year-old years ago did too. <laughs> and her information was was compromised in some, some manner. And both of these issues are here to stay. And the digital transformation that companies are having is also here to stay. We're, we are in a digital world and we have to find a way to have innovation and balance it with privacy and security. So what's your personal view on privacy? I mean, what's just in terms of how private you like to be, uh, we all have to kind of define that for ourselves, right? Um, what, what, is, what does that look like for you personally? I am someone who I'm on Facebook, but I you know, have a a guard for who my friends are and what they can see. You can create different lists so I can control that. My personal view is that we should let people decide what they want. Give them the option, guide them, encourage them, promote to them, but let them choose what they want. Would you like me to share your information so that you could get similar types of catalogs? Some people would say, yeah, that'd be great. I want to hear about new brands I've never heard of. And other people would say, no, thank you, but let me choose. And that's the direction that the Europeans are going in many other countries around the world. And in the United States, we're very much a, in a super simple version, tell me what you're doing and then let me opt out. Well, and one big switch there is what the giant country of Apple made that, was it, was it just a cut? Uh, to Google or did that, I mean, it makes me feel good when an app says, would you like us to track everything you do? And I'm like, no, thanks. Thanks for asking. Well, Google's joining the party, but they keep delaying their participation. And uh, at the same time, many people think Apple has made that decision and then they're going to kind of build their own walled garden and add kingdom. And it'll allow whomever is in that little universe and they can benefit there at this even if that's true at least they haven't shared it and they've given me the choice to know what a company is doing and then the choice to say yes or no and about four percent of people are opting in so how did you stumble into this thing i mean so you're three four five years old walking around the house going i'm going to be a privacy expert no i said i was going to be a broadcast journalist which is why i'm having so much fun smiling (laughs) with a mic And uh, that didn't happen for a long list of reasons. Uh, The path was basically accounting, finance, strategy, targeted advertising. 
It was from targeted advertising I got to privacy when the industry said, we're going to try and prevent government legislation with self-regulation. And I was responsible for that at my company. I did that, realized there was a need for a full-time privacy role, built and created a, a privacy program, built that for a couple of years, went to a larger company, implemented it at a highly regulated company, was the digital privacy expert there, and then decided I wanted to join the entrepreneurial world and left that and, and opted to stay with privacy as the professional line. But it was really that intersection of, of marketing and data. And that's what I find so fun and fascinating is we're in this universe, so much amazing technology that benefits us in a variety of ways. And yet there's data all over the place. And when companies aren't appreciating and putting the consumer first, but they're putting themselves first, that's when we get into trouble. That's why there's a law. It's like in kindergarten when Tommy didn't do what he's supposed to. Now there's a rule that you can't do X, Y, Z. It's the same thing here. Companies are misusing data. Now there's a law. So Tommy was a big problem in your kindergarten? Tommy was a problem in my <laughs> kindergarten. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about Tommy for a minute. You know, Tommy's looking forward to another 30, 40, 50 years of, of life. You know, if you were to meet Tommy in 30, 40, 50 years from now, what would you say to him about what you're leaving the world with? I would say that it's been left with the idea of someone thinking first, to think of the customer first and not only the dollar first, and to really be mindful of the customer experience and how technology can be beneficial, but that it's all about people at the end. I've said for a long time, it's all about people. People buy from people and people buy from people they like to buy from. So it's, it's that what you said earlier, it's building that trust that will build strong companies. And what we leave behind when we leave this earth is very dependent on the amount of trust that we've built up over the, over the years and how we've used that. Yeah, very interesting. I really like that. Thank you. I, I mean, I... I believe I've, I've always been a genuine person, someone of high integrity, and it's all about trusting. Can you trust the other other person with anything? Can you trust the person to watch your kids? Can you trust mm -hmm. the person to um, do what item they're going to fix in your house? Did you trust that the builder did it right? There, there's there's trust in so many different avenues, and nowadays, that to me, that's what privacy and security is all all about is is trust, and just from a business person's perspective and and a human and a mom, I want to raise my girls to have high integrity, to be someone that they that others can trust. And I want companies to realize that their customers are looking to them to trust that they deliver on their great product and service and trust them as a brand. So when you look into your your crystal ball, mine's really crazy crack, so I don't see a whole lot. But if you look forward five to 10 years, what do you see as the greatest risk for our privacy and security? Where is the world going that's not actually protected? I can see it in a couple ways. The first is actually in the United States, we're on the verge of a patchwork quilt of laws. And that will make it incredibly challenging for companies. And while great business for me, really hard for companies and even us to keep up with that. We're at three privacy state laws, comprehensive state laws right now. And it can take five to 10 years to probably get all 50 states, just like we did for data breach laws. And we're on the verge of getting there. And that will be a huge challenge for companies. 
At the same time, technology is innovating so incredibly quickly. And this race to get something out, and you ask the question, should you put privacy and security first or leave it later? There's a mentality that I need to get sales, I need to get the product out, and privacy and security is is left behind. Now is the biggest time for cybersecurity threat. And there's numerous polls that CEOs of the largest companies out there will say cybersecurity is one of the top five threats of this era. So you have such a huge challenge from a cybersecurity perspective. And from a privacy perspective, if we think about Internet of Things, if we think about drones, autonomous vehicles, everything's listening and watching and being interconnected, who owns that data? Who uses that data? Who do you have control over? We really have to think about what's convenient, what is inconvenient sometimes when it comes to the security piece, but that privacy part comes into play of who owns that data. Let's just take a connected car. Who owns that? Who makes the decision if it's a self-driving car to go left, to hit the building, or right to hit the person? Or if there's two people, which person? Who makes that decision? You, the company? Those are real decisions, and that's kind of a terrible example and sad, but actually one that hopefully will get people to think about the privacy and security, and then it comes into data ethics altogether. Those are the big concerns that I have in the next five to 10 years. So if folks are you know, listening right now, they're standing on their, well, walking on their treadmill and thinking about their day and listening to Jody Daniels. And all of a sudden, they see a drone kind of come past their window, and it looks like there's a little camera aimed at them. Uh, how do they find you to ask you a couple of questions? It's a great, it's a great one. You can come find me on LinkedIn, just Jody Hoffman Daniels, or maybe I'm just still Jody Daniels on LinkedIn. RedCloverAdvisors.com, real easy. And then my email is just Jody at RedCloverAdvisors.com, and would love to connect with anyone listening. And who exactly would you like to connect to you? What, what kind of folks um, are you looking for? Looking for people who find this interesting, who just want to learn more about privacy and security. And I work a lot with marketers. So really any slice of the marketing pie, people who are other attorneys, technologists, people who are uh, kind of risk and compliance people, a lot of CFOs who tend to own the legal and risk and compliance issues. Uh, so it's, but the fun part about privacy is you work with so many different people across a company. And when I work a lot with e-commerce, B2B technology companies, you know, your SaaS platforms or other kind of tech, and then marketing agencies in digital media companies. It's kind of our specialty. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. <laughs> privacy lot of people. is a company-wide <laughs> thing. Yeah. So we really love talking with you. That was a, a wonderful time we had together, and I had never really thought about the the car decision making thing. And so, thank you for bringing that right at the end there, because we know we don't think about that. We don't think about who's going to make those decisions, um, and it's a it's something we should be thinking about. So, thank you. Absolutely, I had a call the other day, and the manufacturers, the car manufacturers, want to own the data. And there's a big argument over, is it the car manufacturer who owns the data? Does the dealer have access to that data? Is it your data? Why does the manufacturer need that data? Why do they need it all the time? And there's not really a great answer. In fact, there was a huge argument about that type of information in Massachusetts over who owns the data. And it was important from a recall perspective. And how can a dealer contact you for 
repair that might be needed. So these are real, real issues. I'm sure you've all heard about the nanny cam that's watching and the video goes everywhere. Who, who owns that video? Can they use it? However, or if you've seen the memes or things, you know, people who, uh, like there was the Disney princess, put your picture up and which Disney princess do you look at? People kind of do these things all the time on social media. The company you gave, you just gave your picture to that company to do whatever you want. Those are just really simple examples, but it will become much more complex as you start to interconnect so many different devices. And the drone question is a fascinating one because it gets to air rights. It's just creepy. Justin's uh, a commercial honest, drone pilot just, now. He got his license. So we No way. I yeah, he wow. did. He's um so we we actually he has a client that literally a drone just came over and took a picture and now there's the question of actually did it have the right to take the picture of what mm -hmm. it took the picture of. Yeah. It just feels creepy when a drone comes over your house. That happened to us <laughs> one, one day and it's like, oh, who is that? Amazon's yeah. testing drones to deliver packages to you. That would be kind of cool and kind of freaky. Both. Think about yeah, how does both. that work in an apartment building? Wow. See? I don't know. <laughs> These are interesting questions. I love that. So thank you so much for joining us. If um, folks have more questions, they should also tune into her podcast. Sounds like her... Um, her COVID podcast would be fun to, to listen to as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So thank you, Jody. That was just quite eye-opening for me. I've never thought about security and privacy in quite those those terms, particularly at the end of the conversation when we were talking about uh, autonomous cars having to make decisions fascinating stuff and yeah thank you for sharing that with us and also uh, i have to give some respect to jody for allowing us to have a significant dog dally in the middle of the interview i just made up that term dog dally i like it where we yeah we got to you know just wallow in the dogness of our dogs just for a few minutes so thank you for that and uh, if listeners are kind of wallowing in the dogness of, of us, uh, you can go over to our um, doghouse. Well, we are in the dog days of summer, so maybe it's all appropriate. So yes, the doghouse, you're gonna find our doghouse on our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a little doghouse shape button on the top right-hand corner that says free assessment. And we think you should click on that and fill out the assessment. And if you don't, We'll probably dog you all day. That's right. And Randy's got one of those bulldog spiked collars and he'll he'll come, he'll come after you with that. If you'd like to subscribe to us, despite the terrible comedy, uh, feel free. There's a button somewhere around here and uh, just push it. And so we'd love to you for you to do that and leave comments and tell us that we suck or tell us how great we are. All comments are welcome. And if you do push the button, uh, we retain all rights to the fingerprint you leave on that device. Uh, I'm kidding. That's it was a privacy joke. Jody can tell us if it was a bad one. Yeah, uh, I'll leave Jody to decide how bad it actually was. It was not good. So um, come back and listen to our next episode. That's basically what we want you to do.